It's time to lock in. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic, exciting, thrilling finish. Live from Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! Welcome to a Wednesday edition of the Final Drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my producer Michael Brauner, joining you this hump day. And we want to thank everyone for having us locked in this afternoon. And of course, you can always correspond with us on the app, or you can give us a call at 251 694 1055. Hope everyone had a tremendous and safe. 4th of July and got plenty to eat and taking those leftovers to work today or getting ready to fix them for dinner. Michael Brauner, did you have a great 4th of July, my brother? Oh, you know I did, and you know I'm going to eat leftovers for dinner tonight, so it's going to it's gonna be good stuff. I got some beans and chicken and steak waiting for me in my fridge, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Well, I, I tell you, you know, when we were on the air on Monday and the caller said, you know, you can't forget about the roasted corn, had to go ahead and, and stop by and get some corn on the cob to throw on that grill. So was able to have some some shuck corn as well yesterday. Tremendous Fourth of July celebration. Enjoyed the fireworks downtown Mobile, as well as when you look at the PBS Capital Special that they have in Washington, D.C., watching and streaming that along with seeing the New York fireworks that go on for about 20 to 25 minutes. And, of course, you enjoy those fireworks celebrations safely downtown Mobile or in Pritchard or in Sims or wherever you chose to, to have. Or if you even had your own 4th of July fireworks show, as was evident last night, way past midnight at my house. And, of course, early this morning, I expect for those to continue to to pop some more fireworks. But is there anything more frustrating than having fireworks go off two or three days after either <laughs> New Year's or the 4th of July? Yeah, I heard some this morning, which, like, I, I, I don't know what uh, what you're getting out of lighting off fireworks in the daylight. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I I mean, people, I, I understand, like, last night, like, the excitement, you know, you don't want to wait until it gets actually dark to light them off, but I'm hearing fireworks at, like, 6 o'clock when it's light out, and I'm just thinking, I'm hearing them, but not seeing them, I'm just thinking, like, you know, kind of, you're kind of just wasting money by, uh, by light. I get it, you're excited, you might have had some beers throughout the day and, and didn't want to <laughs> wait on the fireworks, but man, you know, you kind of, you're kind of just wasting them a little bit at that point, but, you know, it was a great holiday, it always is. Uh, you know, one of my favorites got to celebrate America and see some fireworks, eat some food, drink some beers. I mean, it was it was a great day. Any watermelon for you? I, I didn't get any watermelon. No, I got I got I got to get to the store and, and buy a watermelon. It's just and just how is one to indulge yeah. to indulge that that's definitely that was on the plate for dessert as well. And have a great final drive scheduled for you this afternoon. Dennis Dodd, National Collegiate. Writer for CBS Sports will be joining us at 3.30. And then in studio, it's an all-SEC 
football performance mobile's finest as we have josh flowers rising senior quarterback at baker high school committed to mississippi state will be joined hopefully by his teammate bryce kane both scheduled to join us in studio for mobile's finest segment so you'll get a chance to hear from these two young men that are teammates now but this time next season they'll be on opposing sidelines getting ready to face one another in a divisionless sec format so josh flowers and bryce kane both scheduled to join us in mobile's finest segment and then We'll finish with them, and then we'll switch gears and talk a little New Orleans Pelicans basketball. Of course, Herb Jones, the former University of Alabama power forward, re-signed a, a big-time contract, which was his first opportunity to re-sign and stay with the franchise. And we'll talk to Ali Cosell and see if Zion Williamson will be in New Orleans at the start of the season. And we'll also go and talk with Ali about what's going on here at the NBA Summer Leagues that started for the rookies and the first-year players as well. And then at 5.30, it is Wednesday, so we'll be throwing it deep with Michael Bronner at 5.30. He'll be giving you all the NFL action that is provided during the regular podcast that he does with his partner. So a great show scheduled for you this afternoon and then you know yesterday we didn't have any rain out in my direction but there was plenty of rain in new york city mm. early on yesterday is at 11 o'clock central time i was tuned in to my television i was ready to see who start you Sean Espy's reruns, man. Yeah, yeah. Who I you thought, I thought my best. TV was broken. Yeah, if it wasn't for that bright highlight in the bottom right-hand corner letting everyone know that they were under a weather lightning delay, the first ever weather delay in the history of the Nathan's Hot Dog Eating Contest. And, of course, I was ready to see Joey Chestnut knock it out and see what Sudo was going to do from the women's standpoint because she's won her fair share of mustard belts also. But Chestnut had to wait two hours. And with the rain and the lightning that was going on, there were a couple of people who got struck by lightning in that area, which is one of the reasons, of course, being on stage, they had to delay it. You got conflicting reports. It was canceled, then it was back on. Um, so you weren't sure whether that the men were even going to have an opportunity to to down some hot dogs. Yeah, hold, like, you know, let's make no mistake here. It wasn't delayed. I, the, the thing was canceled. Like, they announced it was not happening. They they had... But I will I, say this. I, I think ESPN never said it was canceled. ESPN never said it was canceled. It, it, it like, was the I, other Bleacher Reports and CBS Sports, according to the New York Fire Department, they said that it was going to be canceled. But ESPN never took that graphic off of the bottom right of the screen when they were playing that said the delayed. They, they kept saying delayed, delayed, delayed. It never said canceled. So I knew that the hopes were there. And then you look on Twitter and you see Joey Chestnut amongst the people yeah. during the rainstorms um, or even before the rainstorms talking and walking out like Stone Cold Steve Austin would when you hear that shattered glass music knowing, hey, look, it, this event's going to happen. Yeah, so all right, so we'll call it conflicting reports then. But yes. regardless, 
it very much appeared that it wasn't going to happen. Like I, I was resigned to the fact. Oh well, the the hot dog contest isn't happening this year. That that stinks. And then, like you said, Joey Chestnut just comes out in the rain and tells the fans, "No, no, we're I'm getting the rest of these guys out here. We're doing this thing." And goes and eats 62 hot dogs and wins and wins his whatever 17th mustard belt. 16. Like 16th mustard belt. Can you imagine? Let me put this in perspective for you. Can you imagine if like this is a baseball game and and Mike Trout, you know, there, there's a big rain delay going on and and it's game three of the World Series and you know the MLB is kind of announcing, yeah, I don't think we're gonna be able to play today. And Mike Trout comes out onto the field and says, no, I'm getting both teams out here and we're playing we're playing this game. The best player in the sport says, no, 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 I don't care about the rain. We're playing this thing. We're getting it done right now. Like it just shows the the amount of authority Joey Chestnut has when it comes to when it comes to competitive eating. Like he's pretty much judge, jury, executioner <laughs> in the world of competitive eating. Like can you like you, that couldn't happen in any other sport. But but I, I I know that you've said look Chestnut is the world's greatest athlete, so the greatest world's of greatest, all, greatest of all time w- w- the greatest of all time it, it when the greatest of all time speaks, Bronner I, I guess they had no choice but to listen along with the sponsors that probably weren't going to be too happy that you had the women's event that had already taken place earlier in the day and as long as the Nathan's hot dog eating contest has been around Coney Island. You, you, you've seen them go through plenty of rain before. You've seen them not go through lightning storms. Um, they even battled through when it was COVID. Had it indoors. Had everyone blocked off. I think Joey set the off. record when it was inside. Yeah, I mean, 20 I that was 76. And that was in 21 yeah. that, that he said it. Now, the indoors COVID one, um, he did not have an opportunity to set that record because okay. 2020 was our COVID year, and, of course, that was where it was held indoors. Uh, but in 2021, he absolutely smashed his record. And, and the over-under was going to be set at 73 high. Yeah, he, he did hit the under. He I don't know. He might be a little bit washed up. He might be coming to the end of the road. He only ate 62 hot dogs, which was lower than last year's 63, which was already – you know, a pretty low total. I, I will say, like, if he doesn't retire, if he keeps doing this, heck, it might take five years or so. He's going to get beat eventually. He, you know, he's he's coming to the back nine of his career for sure. You know, still still the greatest to ever do it and will always be the greatest to ever do it. But I don't know, 62, maybe the weather was a factor. Maybe he had yeah, to sit around all thing. day. If you've seen plenty of golf delays, you've seen plenty of football delays, you've seen plenty of baseball delays. Baseball, when you can pick back up the next day or play a doubleheader, the hot dog eating contest, it's it's a lot different because you, you're not full. You're not getting yourself. You can snack when you have a rain delay in football or in, in baseball. Mm. But, but when you're sitting and you're a professional eater and it's kind of like that clock that's ticking on you, you know when it's time to eat, your stomach's starting to growl. I think that that was one of the reasons that he wasn't able to hit that record, having a two-hour delay, being ready. And he mentioned a little bit about that it kind of threw him off, but it was still fun to watch. A lot of people find it He had 20 in the first two minutes. Now, he was on pace, but then he started slowing down. And, and what's crazy about the whole situation, Bronner, is the fact that he still wins by 12 or 13 hot dogs. So – 
I just I know that when you're sitting and dipping your your buns in water or whatever, trying to trying to prepare and get ready. I, I think a two hour delay. When you're ready, you're ready. And whether it's mentally or or however he prepares when that clock hits, you're ready for action. Now he still had the W. Now you mentioned the fact that people come back every single year to see if there's going to be closer competition because I know closer than Mickey Sudo. I mean, she only won by one hot dog. She ate 39 and a half and chestnut ate 62. So she kind of closed the gap for herself in regards to what she ate, but he's sitting there winning by 10 dogs. Uh, That, that that's still pretty impressive by the world's greatest eater of all time. Yeah, 62 hot dogs is, you know, it's maybe not insane chestnut numbers, but... Uh, nah, it, it, it'll do. It'll do as far as when you look at what he was supposed to, to hit. I know a lot of people who put a little wager on how many dogs he could down were probably a little disappointed. Mm. And there were some that made some money off of the amount of dogs he did not eat. But, again, it's that tradition that is unlike any eating other for certain because even though you do have these professional eating contests, not all of them are or have as many eyeballs on them as Nathan's hot dog eating contest does have. And I think you're right. I don't think it'll be next year. I, I think it'll be when Chestnut steps away is when he loses. I, I think that gap may close a little bit, but I think he'll he'll retire and walk away you from th- eating. You think he won't let himself lose? No, I, I I think when he walks away, he will know that he's going to walk away a champion. Mm. And I know he has three. Like I said, if he keeps going, I, I think it'll take five years or less for someone to beat him. He's slowing down. He's getting older. Yeah, and and I think your your metabolism changes a little bit there. But again. Joey Chestnut with an impressive 62 dogs down. I only ate three myself, and they were of Koneka fashion. And, again, plenty of leftovers left in the fridge to indulge in today. When we come back on the other side of the break, Alabama basketball had a nice addition, as well as we'll be talking later on in the hour about Auburn losing a key football recruit that was right here in the state espn continues its layoffs and otani many say the best baseball player they've seen ever because he's a two-way player well would have loved to seen him in the all-star game that won't be happening we'll give you updates on that and more on the other side of the final drive My name is David Palmer, and I'm on WNFC 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Bronner, joining you on this hump day, Wednesday. And, of course, Alabama, the Crimson Tide were minus three coaches at the end of the season. And now that Nate Oates has had an opportunity to fill his entire staff, hire Preston Murphy as a special assistant coach. Preston Murphy comes in from Creighton 
and we'll see if he's able to make a, a big difference from a recruiting standpoint. And Nate Oates, after he brought in Coach Murphy, he also brought in a six foot ten, two hundred and twenty five pound forward that transferred in from West Virginia. Muhammad Wagi is who is we're talking about. And, you know, with Bob Huggins leaving West Virginia, you, you knew that a lot of players probably would enter that portal. But yeah. at six foot ten, Alabama needed some depth there in the paint. And he had an opportunity to come in along with the other big Stevenson. Walters, Nelson, and Muhammad Diabate. Now, now Nate Oates ha has a little bit with losing Betty Ako and Clowney. He has some size down there. Yeah, after Betty Ako, you know, hit us with the surprise announcement that he was going to be keeping his name in the draft. It was really, really thin in the front court for Nate Oates and, and the whole staff. You know, you had some talent, but unproven talent you know is nick pringles gonna start nick pringles still might start but outside of that it's sam walters and diabate who are could could very well be very good players but you know they're unproven freshmen coming into the sec uh you know walters is might end up being a good player he's about as thin as a rail he's probably gonna get pushed pushed around early uh so we'll see what happens there but like three weeks later less than a month later this team has some legitimate front court depth you know, you bring in Grant Nelson, you bring in Jaron Stevenson, now you bring in Wagee. And Wagee is not a guy who has played a ton of basketball at the high level. Like, he didn't get a lot of minutes at West Virginia. A lot of people like his ceiling, uh, you know, has has a lot of potential as defender. It's just, you know, Ooh, adding— No, don't say the P word <laughs> in basketball. That That's bad. That's well, bad when you, when, I mean, you, when you talk about potential. You're talking about a guy who's averaged six points a game last year. It's not like you can go off of much other than, uh, than the four potential. Points than the, four than the, points and yeah, three so, rebounds. You know, it's not like there's much more there right now than potential, so that's obviously why they're bringing him in. Uh, so we'll see what happens. You know, at the minimum, he'll be a rotational piece to a front court that now is a heck of a lot deeper than it was a month ago. I mean, it, it is pretty astounding what they've been able to do. It, it is deeper than it definitely was, but I, I, I think that as far as from a potential standpoint, I'm, I'm not going to use that on a player because that's well, kind of— I'm not sitting here saying he's a potential superstar, no, but he— No, I, I mean, because even potential, everyone has potential. Sure. A walk-on has potential. Sure. You know, you, you don't want to sit there and say Alabama has signed someone with potential uh, or potentially could be because that's where you start to kind of say, all right, well— that's probably not an adjective you want to describe someone's game. Now, will I say that this young man didn't touch the floor as much for Bob Huggins as he would have liked to have? Absolutely. And I think he chose Alabama because, A, he saw an opportunity to be able to showcase the skills that he feels he already has. You see the number of players that Nate Oates has already gotten into the league, and you see a need at that particular at that position, especially with coming in as a freshman, um, I think that that that's something or, or as a potential transfer player and Jaron Stevenson reclassifying as a freshman yeah. to be a freshman, that that's, you know, that already have seen the ropes 
there is, is great for him. And as far as Nate Oates knowing that now that he's reached 13 back on his roster scholarship players, I think that with Javon Quinterly leaving at such a late date, to be able to have 13 players in skill development drills and going here into July and August, it's it's important that you do have someone on campus from a big man standpoint because when you're looking at last year having seven foot six eleven six ten in your rotation now you're used to that because we know one thing about Nate Oates he's not going to work from the inside out that's not how his basketball game is organized he's allowing those guys to to, to space the floor he plays pace and space the the shooters are going to shoot if you're 6'8", 6'9", 6'10", like Brandon Miller can could fill it up, he's going to allow you to shoot the three ball. But you do need those big fellas to where when you're playing the other SEC opponents like the Kentuckys or like the Floridas of the world, you have another Texas A&M, you, you have another big man that you can go in pound for pound that can match up defensively and you're not just sitting there in a zone the entire game. Yeah, so there is still one more spot remaining. We'll we'll see if they look to fill it. Another guy that has gained some traction name-wise. Another West Virginia player. He actually never played for what he had committed to play for West Virginia uh, this past season uh, and wasn't granted an eligibility waiver. I believe it was his second transfer. A guy by the name of Jose Perez, former Manhattan player. is a really good guard up there at Manhattan and had to sit out this past year. So he was supposed to you know, play for Bob Huggins this season, but now he's entering the transfer portal as well. A lot of buzz with him uh, in Michigan, so we'll see if that ends up happening. But Perez is a guy that Alabama could look to fill that final spot with if they want to. They also could look to leave it open. That's what, you know, teams often do is leave that last scholarship spot open. But Perez really would uh, kind of round out that backcourt after Quinterly left. And I still like what they have in the backcourt, you know, even if they choose to leave the spot open. You know, I think that would be fine. Sears, Estrada, uh, so You know, I I think they're going to be just fine, but we'll see what happens there. Keep an eye on the name Jose Perez as well. Well, I'm definitely keeping an eye on Brandon Miller as he made his debut Monday evening in the NBA, oh, yeah. and you know, scored 18 points and yeah, he struggled three early on a seven. But but here's the weird rule in this California Classic rules: a player needs 10 fouls to foul out. Now. Court, normally in the NBA, of course, it's six. But in this league, in the, under these rules that they're playing in, you, you can have ten to be disqualified. Now, what that does do, it allows you Play to freely. evaluate and and see a player a much longer from a minute standpoint sure. because when he picks up that third foul in the first quarter, you're like, well, I have seven more to burn. I'm I'm good with that. Uh, but I like that rule. I, I I don't I don't necessarily like the fact of ten. I do like the NBA rule of six. Summer League, I think you could go to seven and be fine. But Brandon Miller having six fouls um, in the contest and shooting five of an 11 from the floor and three out of seven from the three-point line, probably not a sizzling debut that he would have liked, but he it's figured it out. He fi NBA. I mean, they were getting smoked as well. Uh, oh, it, as soon as, it, soon as it, you it turn on, they they were yeah. down, they were down I mean, close they lost to twenty like at half. 
and we'll we'll talk about this more a little later because we got to get to Dennis Dodd on the other side. But uh, you know, he started to figure it out as the game went on. He had a really rough start to the game, and and certainly got a lot better as the game went on and made some shots late. So uh, yeah, we'll 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 get into that a little. Plenty bit later more on. NBA action coming up, and Dennis Dodd, national sports writer covering college football for CBS Sports, joins us next here on The Final Drive. This is C.J. Mosley, inside linebacker, and you listen to the sports station, WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey Labounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you this Wednesday afternoon. want to thank everyone for tuning in this afternoon. Of course, you can always reach us in the app or give us a call at 251-694-1055, where we welcome your phone calls. And, of course, we always welcome college football 365 here in the deep south and none better to talk to the national college football writer for cbs sports dennis dodd joins us this afternoon dennis how's everything going my friend i'm great still the off season but we're getting close absolutely getting closer and closer and again you know there's always plenty of fireworks on the 4th of july but there's always fireworks as soon as the college football playoffs end in january it's just non-stop for six or seven months when we prepare for the spring games in april as well as getting ready for our fall practices but in this off season I think, you know, there's been a couple of huge topics that have been hit on and will continue to be hit on, Dennis, that being NIL in the NCAA, along with conference realignments and media deals. What are your thoughts about both of those? Well, I think uh, just cut to the chase with NIL. I've been telling people I don't think we'll even be talking about it in two or three years. Um, there have been entire websites built on covering it. Uh, you know, a year from now, I, I think it'll be figured out. Um, I would make the uh, the assertion that, if anything, in the NIL era, which is now two years old, there's more competitive balance, not less. Um, Wake Forest just went to its first World Series since the 1950s, ranked number one in the country in baseball. Uh, I told Nick Saban this in, in depth, and I go, it's hard to make a case for uh, for competitive balance being out of whack when Cincinnati, TCU, and San Diego State have played for championships in football and basketball the last two years. So, and I, I think that's going to continue. Uh, that's not to say the SEC and Big Ten aren't going to dominate, which they will. But you know what? The ACC and Pac-12 had a, had a heck of a year. If you look at the national championships that they won in uh, in other sports so I, I think it's much ado about nothing soon if the ncaa doesn't do it on their own they will be forced by the courts or, or the national labor relations board to, to pay players or accept paying players yeah if they don't they'll be irrelevant anyway that's definitely coming down the pipe and and wanted to get your thoughts on divisionless football in the SEC in 2024, as well as conference realignment. Because geographically, when you start looking at this upcoming season's schedule, a lot of these teams, when you have to go over 1,200 miles to, to meet an opponent, that just geographically doesn't fit sometimes. Well, uh, I don't know if you're talking about the Big Ten. Yes, but sir. Next year. 
Uh, I think you're talking about the Big 12 this year. That's already been fought out, so that's you know that's that's a done deal. That's they already knew about that going in. But if the question is about single division standings, I, I think it was all that was done with the consideration before the playoffs expanded. These ideas, I think it was the uh, let me see the, the American and the Big 12, also the Pac-12. Uh, last year had single division. In other words, the top two teams play for the conference championship. That was before we finalized uh, conference playoff expansion. So with 12 teams and room there for everybody to get in, I don't know if it's going to make that much difference, to be honest. Um, if you lose that SEC championship game and you're 11-1, and one, are you still going to get in the playoffs? You absolutely are. Um, so losing that game is going to make a difference in seeding. But it's not going to be the either-or. Uh, maybe for, oh, I don't know, the American or a conference like that, it's going to make a difference. But that was going to make a difference anyway. If they played division champions, it was going to be something like that. So I think, again, I think that one was decided before the commissioners and the leagues looked ahead and said, you know what, we're going to be okay with 12 teams. Everybody's going to have a rep. Dennis, keeping it in the SEC, do you see it entering this season as Georgia and everyone else? Or, I mean, do you think they can legitimately be challenged? Yeah, I mean, you have to say that going in. I, look, the, no one's ever won three in a row in the wire service era, which is the only one we kind of follow since 1936. No one's ever done it. There's always been something. And if they don't win it, there'll be something we don't see. Uh, injury, what have you, something upset, who knows. But they look really good. Uh, you start with the schedule. I, was, I looked at that, I think, the day before the championship game when I was doing my way too early top 25, and I said, you know what? If they're not 7-0 and or whatever it is before the Tennessee game on November 13th, I think it is, something's wrong, um, or 10-0 and or whatever whatever it'll be back by that time of season. And that should be the case. They're going to be good defensively. They have to break in a new quarterback. But who's, who's to say that Carson Beck isn't at least as effective as Stetson Bennett? Stetson Bennett became not only effective, but really, really good as a Heisman finalist. Carson Beck just has to be, you know, effective. He has to complete 65 of his passes because he's going to be supported by a dominant offensive line, a good running game, and a dominant defense. So he doesn't have to be um, Patrick Mahomes, if you know what I mean. Uh, to schedule that and the fact that, you know, they don't have to play LSU, because I think LSU is the, the wild card to watch in the SEC this year. I think they got a chance of getting to the playoff. Um, obviously, the Alabama game sitting there, and Alabama's down. Uh, let's, not, let's not sugarcoat things. So, no, I think they absolutely uh, have a chance right now, best coach, best program, best team. Let's talk about Alabama for a second. We're talking to Dennis Dodd, National College football writer for CBS Sports. Let's talk about Alabama. Obviously, you lose Bryce Young and Will Anderson. No one's going to disagree with that. And you weren't very good last season, at least by Alabama standards, with Bryce Young and Will Anderson. Mostly Bryce Young, because there were some games last season that, you know, look at the Texas game, look at the Ole Miss game. There were some games last season that you don't win with any other quarterback who's ever played at Alabama. But... You can make the argument that they improve pretty much on every other position group on the roster. Obviously, the quarterback position is the quarterback position. It really there's a lot of questions to be answered there from from Alabama's perspective. But I don't know how how do you evaluate 
Alabama going into this season when I really do feel like they got better everywhere else. Yeah, it's really hard to say that when if you got a quarterback, you got a chance. I mean, it's the oversized impact of that of that position on the game these days that really makes a difference sometimes. Um, look, this is a team that now looks like pre nineteen uh, pre twenty fourteen when Nick made the decision to go to the spread with uh, with Lane Kiffin and you know offensively, which changed things and made Alabama even more dominant. It's not to say they can't win with a you know with a, a game manager quarterback and relying on the running game and defense. It's been done before. Uh, it could be done again. Alabama could win it all, but. The issue is that they are now going to have to switch in the middle of the stream and win that way. Again, I'm not saying they can't, but when you're putting that much on a quarterback, we've seen Jalen Miller, we've seen Tyler Buckner, haven't seen much of Ty Simpson, but um, you know these guys are not going to quote unquote win games for you. What you don't want them to do is lose games for you, and I, and I think those adjustments will be made. Um, but that, with the fact that LSU is a big-time factor um, now in the, in the SEC West in year two of Brian Kelly with everything they've got coming back. You know, I, I have a hard time maybe seeing them winning 11 again. We'll see. We're speaking with Dennis Dodd, National College football writer for CBS Sports. And, Dennis, of course, when you talk Alabama football, the Iron Bowl always comes up with Auburn. And Hugh Freeze has invigorated – the Auburn fan base. Auburn has now sold out of regular season tickets, yeah. which is something that normally does not happen or has not happened here in a while. So the expectations this year for Hugh Freeze in year number one should be what for Auburn fans? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, was just, I was just thinking big picture. You know, I, I don't know if I've seen enough of Robbie Ashford. Um, I do think long term this is about the best hire they could have made considering that you know Lane Kiffin had sent out indications that he wanted the job and then changed his mind Hugh Freeze has paid you know has paid his penalties has has never not been a good coach and you know done well at Liberty obviously done well at Ole Miss and I, I think they'll be right back where they were I mean the Brian Harson thing didn't work out for whatever reason but, uh, you know, in this year, God, there, again, there's too many good teams. There's Alabama, there's LSU, is A&M going to rebound? Um, I don't know. So that, that puts Auburn fourth at best. So we'll see. So I, I, I think, you know, I don't think there's room there for them to surpass maybe all those teams. But, I, again, we have to consider that with the talent they had last year, they went five and seven. So does that, can they improve by five wins and become a factor in the West? I don't know. Um, we'll see. Well, what's also interesting is when you look at what is sometimes called the blue bloods of college football, of course, Alabama, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Nebraska, Michigan, USC, and Texas all come to my mind. But the struggling of Nebraska because and Florida State, for that matter, from a national standpoint of, of becoming relevant again. I know that Florida State has that huge matchup early with LSU, and Nebraska's just trying to scratch and claw and get their program back to Tom Osborne type of era football. But what is it and how hard is it to continue to, to maintain 
the type of dynasty of an Alabama or Notre Dame or Michigan and Texas? Uh, it's tough, but you've got two of them going in the SEC. <laughs> you've got you've got Alabama and Georgia in the same conference going. Um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, look at look at Nebraska. They are at this moment are barely relevant. Now, I, I have huge respect and arrows pointing up big time for Matt Rule. I think they're they're going to improve by leaps and bounds in the next three years. I, I believe in him that much as a coach. Um, but they long ago were not a dynasty. You know, they, you could argue they had the best run in the history of college football, three championships in four years in the 90s. So uh, the obvious answer is it's really hard. Um, it's hard to become a dynasty. You know, you argue about what is a dynasty. But it's hard to keep it going, and that's what's make, made Nick so great in that he's done it for, what, at least 15 years. And, you know, I, I would say showed no signs of slowing down. I, I don't think last year was necessarily slowing down. You give anybody 11 wins and, you know, you've got a chance. So, no, it's uh, obviously it's hard. It, it really is, and Dennis Dodd is a national – collegiate football writer for CBS Sports and Charlie Baker takes over as NCAA president in March. The challenges that he's faced and some of the answers that he's already given is, is the NCAA heading in the right direction with Charlie Baker as its new president? I like Charlie Baker. Um, he's former governor of Massachusetts. I think he's doing his due diligence uh, in terms of NIL. Uh, going to Congress to try to get that exemption. I also think in, in the long term, or maybe the short term, I don't know, uh, the NCA is just running out a bunch of ground balls. You know, they're going as far as they can in Congress. They're fighting these lawsuits, any one of which may turn into a pay-for-play model as long as they can. Um, they're doing, you know, they're showing the membership this is what, what they want to do, and until further notice, this is what the membership wants. But I will tell you that talking to AD after AD, whether they agree with the future or not, that you better get ready to pay players um, in some sort of way, collective bargaining, revenue sharing, flat-out employee model, um, because it's the current system will not endure. It just won't. Um, you, know, you, you now see these, NIL, these state NIL bills where they flat out say the NCAA can't even investigate. And the NCAA, with their latest um, guidelines that they threw down, are daring these states, you know, let's meet in court. Well, how's that gone for the NCAA in its history? Not very well. So it's unless the, the NCAA adopts, it will have things adopted for them. And I, I, fear, I fear that's the way it's going to go. They're going to have to, the future decided for them. Well, I tell you, your future is probably in a couple of weeks in Nashville at SEC <laughs> Media Days, and we right. shall be there as well. Looking forward to, to that week of coverage here on WNSP as we bring our show to Nashville or on the road to Nashville. But, Dennis, I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule and your great knowledge, national coverage of on CBS Sports covering college football how can everyone else tap into all your resources and get some of the knowledge that you provide uh really easy cbssports.com and watch our streaming channel 24 7 free by the way 
CBS Sports HQ. Um, and if you've got CBS Sports Network, it's on every day live from 2 to 5 on TV. So it's really cool. Dennis, thank you so much. Look forward to catching up with you in Nashville at SEC Media Days. And be safe, my friend. All right, count on it. Thanks, guys. Dennis Dodd, National Collegiate Football Writer for CBS Sports, joining us this afternoon running the gamut on college football, not only in the SEC but nationally as well. The final drive returns right after this break. Hi, this is Phil Steele, and you're listening to WNSP 105.5. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. And this weekend, of course, or really yesterday, the fireworks were huge. If you were a Texas A&M Aggie as five-star wide receiver Cam Coleman, who, according to 24-7 Sports, is the best player in the state of Alabama next season, he chose... Texas A&M over Auburn, Florida State, Florida, and Clemson. And at 6'3", 180 pounds, the young man can flat out catch the football. I mean, can play both ways if needed to, but you look at what he was able to do as a junior, catching 31 passes for 542 yards, six touchdowns, and Coach Patrick Nix said that he's the real deal. And I think that he is going to continue to get better as a wide receiver. And he's going to be fun to watch next season for Central of Phoenix City. But choosing Texas A&M over Auburn, I think, was a shocker to a lot of people. Yeah, he's been crystal balled to Auburn for about a week now, at least a week. Uh, this is Cam Coleman. Central Phoenix City wide receiver we're talking about here. Uh, again, number one player in the class of 2024. I think he's like the number three wide receiver in the country. Or number one player in the state of Alabama for the class of 2024. Number three wide receiver in the country. Really, really good football player. And that's a, uh, that's a wide receiver room over at Central Phoenix City that's pretty much absolutely loaded. Uh, they they have they have some serious talent too. They they have a, a kid who's committed to Michigan, I believe. Yeah, Carmelo English. He had seventy catches. I mean, Coleman only had like tw uh, like forty catches or something for them last season. And Carmelo English, the Michigan one, had seventy. I, I mean, he's he's making an impact in an offense that's already absolutely loaded. So. Uh, it it's it hurts for Auburn and Hugh Freeze. I mean, we'll we'll see what happens, but obviously in in today's day and age, it's the type of situation where uh, you know, nothing is done until you sign on the dotted line. But I mean, this is a guy who who Auburn was pretty certain was headed to the plains, and I mean, he's been he it was like an eighty five percent crystal ball type of deal from on three and uh ultimately auburn loses out on him to texas a&m jimbo fisher i'm sure he'd uh he'd get upset if you if you made some sort of nil comment about that one uh, which uh i'm sure that might have been what it is but anyway i mean it is what it is for auburn but yeah cam coleman headed to texas a&m yeah that, that's big time for the texas a&m aggies and when you look at damian craig 
with that 251 connection and being one of the main recruiters there for Cam Coleman, that, that's what it's all about. I mean, that's that's what recruiting, you never know, because I guarantee when you start looking at the crystal ball predictions, Cam Coleman was one of those players that a lot of people had going to Auburn. And if he does not make that decision, now does that say, all right, Perry Thompson can say, look. Yeah, that's that's the next domino here. A lot of people have been saying that, all right, like is Perry Thompson about to flip? And I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if that's like imminent, but if that were to happen, uh, I think that would be pretty soon. Uh, I, I don't know what exactly no, I, the timeline I, I don't would think, be of that. I think it's going to I think it's going to draw itself out. I really do. I, and I'm not going to believe it until signing day myself. That's just where I'm going to be with that. I think that that's how he's going to be torn, whether you go to Big Cat weekend or whether you go to Bama's barbecue. It doesn't matter. Um, it, it's one of those situations to where he is going to sit and do what's best for himself ultimately. But that's a tough decision to have to make for him. And if you don't have another five-star wide receiver sitting over there that you know is going to be on the planes and you are considered a five-star receiver yourself, then that, that becomes a little bit easier decision to make sometimes. And it's just a matter of do you have immediate playing time available or do you have to sit and wait? And that's a, a big decision, too, that goes into the fact. Because no matter how you look at it, you know, college football is different than the NBA. There's no one and done. You, you're going to have to play sure. your three years, whether you red shirt one or not. It's just you're going to have to wait your turn. So it's just a matter of are you going to get on the field immediately or not? Yeah, I think also for if we're talking about Thompson specifically, a factor probably will be how Hugh Freeze uses the wide receivers this year. You know, how does Auburn's offense look this year? Obviously, they have a legitimate quarterback with Peyton Thorne. So let's see how the offense looks under actual offensive coaching you had brian harson for the past two years it's like you know that's a kind of an indictment on the offense but you know it's not really fair to judge the offense on the past two years because brian harson was brian harson so let's see what hugh freeze is able to do with peyton thorne and you know 25 new players or whatever the number is up to now for auburn so yeah there are, there are certainly more factors at play there and i think that's going to be a huge factor when you start looking and, and, and i know playing time is something that a lot of people really want to look into and we have two athletes that we're going to ask about their collegiate verbal decisions. And that's Mobile's finest, Josh Flowers and Bryce Kane in the studio with us here at WNSP and have them coming up at the four o'clock hour. Two of Baker's finest, definitely two of Mobile's finest. We'll get to know them a little bit better on the other side of this break here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive 
Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it! From local rising stars to Hall of Famers, Mobile and Baldwin County have been the starting point for some of the most successful sports figures in history. And now, exclusively on WNSP, we present the ultimate insider experience. Welcome to Mobile's Finest, where we bring you unfiltered and in-depth conversations with the extraordinary athletes and coaches who call the Gulf Coast home and how they became Mobile's Finest. Welcome to our number two of the final drive and it's Mobile's Finest and in the studio with us are two elite future SEC prospects that both happen to come from the same high school in Baker High School and playing for head coach Steve Norman. And when you look at these two young men, one is a quarterback who came onto the scene as a sophomore, really in the first game of the season as Al Weed and I on the MCPSS television network saw this young man trot onto the field and immediately change the defenses of Eric Collier and the Theodore Bobcats and really had his way throughout his entire sophomore season showing his dual threat ability Joshua Flowers joins us along with his second year wide receiver Bryce Kane who comes in and he decides to verbally commit to Auburn and that's after only playing one full year of high school football for the Baker Hornets. Now that means you, you've got to run a 4-2 or 4-3 to have that type of recognition. And I, I love it because with Josh and Bryce both being in the studio with us this afternoon, you're able to verify Josh talking about how fast Bryce really is and how he can go throw the deep ball and have someone to go get it. We want to welcome Josh Flowers and Bryce came both to our studios. Josh and Bryce, good afternoon, and thanks for joining us on Mobile's Finest. Yes, sir. Thank you for having us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Both of them have that baritone, very white voice, so both of them are going to be digging in here, and I guarantee their assignment here will be easier than it is when they get out there on Friday nights to prepare. And I'll start with my man, Josh Flowers. Of course, Josh Flowers, I just mentioned moments ago, he's a verbal commit to the Mississippi State Bulldogs. And I know that you have to be very excited when you made that commitment in March. What made you feel like Mississippi State would be home for you, Josh? What made me feel like it the most was the way the coaches treated me, my family, you know, how much Coach Arnett, you know, talked to us about how the winning season they had and everything, about how the program, you know, thrives through everything. Now, the fact that Joey Jones was the former head coach at South Alabama, along with Coach Campbell being a former head coach in South Alabama. Both of them were very familiar with you, and you get on the campus there. I know that during your visits, they definitely, when somebody was able to talk about the 251 and yeah. Mobile, they probably made you feel very comfortable knowing that they come from your city. Of course, Coach Jones being that phenomenal wide receiver at Alabama when he played in his days at Murphy to 
recruiting you as an assistant coach. Yeah. It made you feel pretty good knowing that you did have two guys or coaches that were familiar with this yes, area? Sir. Yes, sir. It made me feel very good because, you know, just having somebody from the same place that you came from, you know, the same roots, you know, that been there before. So, you know, it feel very good. Now, Bryce, we'll, we'll switch gears to you here. You take the nation by storm because, again, Auburn is Auburn. When you get on and become an Auburn Tiger, that name is synonymous across the country with people like Charles Barkley and Bo Jackson and Pat Dye and getting it done. Playing football in your second year came onto the scene. What led you? to getting on the football field was it your quarterback here or was it coach norman being able to talk you into hey look bryce we really could use you and you have a future in football yeah so um i was on my baseball field and we just got done playing our last game of baseball in the playoffs um and coach cal he came out to the baseball field and he was asking if you want to try out and i was just like Hey, I might as well because, like, it's about to be the end of my high school years and all that. So I go and try out, and I'm just loving it out there on the field. So I just love the game, and that's how I got into it. Did you play any middle school football at all? We talked a little bit off the air about you being a former track and field athlete. And is baseball your true sport? I mean, is that something that you could possibly look at going and, and playing and walking on for Coach Thompson and playing a little baseball too, or you just want to focus on that football at this point in time on the Plains? Yeah, I'm going to focus on football most of the time. Um, so I never played football in middle school. This was my first time playing out of, like, my whole life. And uh, I've been playing baseball since I was four. So that's been my whole sport. That's been my dream sport the whole, the whole way. And then football came around and – I'm just loving football more than baseball right now. I, Bryce, do do you realize how, how how ridiculous that sounds, man? I mean, you've been playing football, been playing wide receiver for a year, commit to Auburn. I mean, just tell me about like how much how much you've already learned as a receiver, how much you think you still have to learn. I mean, it is unbelievable to hear a, a kid, a local kid who's been playing football for a year, is committing to Hugh Freeze and Auburn to play wide receiver. Yeah. Um I learned I learned a lot, but there's way more to go. And I feel like out of this year, I did develop um, from when I started. And I feel like I can develop more as time and time goes by. Josh, I know playing the quarterback position, you know, you, you've been that guy. You, you're, you're, you remind me a lot of, of Steve McNair with your versatility there because you can definitely go ahead and have an opportunity – to run the football, you can throw the football, and the versatility has been there for you. If they give you the run, you're going to take the run. If, if the pass is there, you're going to hit hit your wide receivers without question. But how much fun is it knowing that you have a speedster right there, Bryce Kane, either in the slot or at the wide receiver position that, look, I can throw this thing as far as I need to, and he's going to ride up under it and get me six. I mean, it feels very good to know I could just throw the ball downfield and he just run under the ball and catch it. But, you know, so he's fast, you know, he's explosive, and I can also just give it to him quick, and he can also just beat the defenders with his play style. So it feels very good to have somebody as fast as Bryce on my right receiver list. Josh, you're entering your senior season. Again, a three-year starter now, getting ready to be at quarterback. 
what have you learned and what part of your game has grown the most since you started playing as a sophomore? Is it is it your ability to read defenses? Is it your patience in the pocket? What part of your game has grown the most? Grown the most? I say probably reading defenses. Like and understanding like if a defense do this, then I'm gonna do that, like to, you know, correct them or correct myself. Bryce, the biggest adjustment coming off the baseball diamond to equating that to football. Speed is speed. I don't care how you do it. I mean, stealing bases is something that I'm I'm quite sure that you probably have done your entire baseball career, but being able to get off the line of scrimmage quickly and and, and finding a way to get a free release. So are those types or parts of the game that you've continued to want and enjoy to learn, or is it the quick routes, the deep routes? What kind of Route, do you love running the most when Josh Flowers is throwing you the football? Uh, it is mostly the deep routes, and but I, w- I also want to work on my short routes and uh, just to show all these coaches I can, like, anywhere I get the ball, I can just take it up the field and go score. Josh, with the uh, the position, you're obviously a, a dual threat. What do you enjoy more, throwing it deep or, or a long touchdown run? I say throwing it deep. I know that you had an opportunity your sophomore year. I know you had two wide receivers. Hawkins was one, um, and I think he went on to, to Kennesaw State. No, Hawkins went to um, Memphis. 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 And, and, and Javon Williams went to Kennesaw. Okay, so you had a Kennesaw State and Memphis wide receiver your sophomore year to go ahead and, and go get it deep or to go get it short. And I know that, you know, when you look at, the versatility that you had there and the weapons and the speed that was there by those two wide receivers. When you have someone like Bryce coming in, what else, what else can we look forward to for your game this year? I know having a running back back healthy and that's part of the success that the Baker Hornets are looking to achieve this year as well. Yeah, we also have, like, the running back, uh, Roger Flowers, coming in. You know, we also have KJ, our other good wide receiver, you know. So we got good weapons, you know, so the season should go great. Now, I want you to tell me a little bit about Coach Cal. I know he's kind of held you close to his best in regards to being a great teacher coming from South Alabama when he entered Baker High School and the relationship that you've built with him along with Coach Normand. I know it's been a lot of fun with two coaches that, that have different styles, but you still can learn a lot from. You know, Coach Norman, he's a great leader. You know, I always tell him that he's the best motivational speaker that I heard, that's the best thing that I've seen him do. So, you know, Coach Norman, great leader, great guy, you know, lead this team, you know, make sure we all in the game no matter what. And, you know, Coach Cal, you know, like with teaching me, you know, um, coming from a sophomore, you know, um, through the spring and everything when he first got there, you know, just going, like, help me understand the game and everything and, like, how I should read defense or, like, showing me the coverages and everything and all the drills that I need to be done, like, develop me more as a quarterback. Now, I know that there's been a lot of great spotlight put on Baker High School because here it is, two SEC type of football players that are on this roster. But you guys, I mean, LeBaron Fallon, you mentioned being a dual sport athlete playing baseball along with 
now football at Baker High School. And you you had an opportunity to, to play a little basketball with LeBaron Phylon. Now, I, I will ask you this. I know LeBaron is leaving to, to go and play at a prep school in Missouri, but playing basketball with LeBaron, are, are you going to be one of Mississippi State's biggest recruiters for him to, to join you at Mississippi State in Stark Vegas? Now to think about that, I'm going to start recruiting. I'm going to start talking to him. I, I love it. I, and you the same way. I mean, he had verbally committed to Auburn, and I know that sometimes your friends and people you know the best, you, will you go ahead and recruit LeBaron to come back to Auburn? Uh, yeah, I got I got to. He he has to come back. He has to come back. I, I, I love the fact that, you know, the, the great relationships that are built and the fact that dual sport athletes, not just sitting on one sport. Josh, you play football, of course, again, having an opportunity to play basketball. And did you run track your, your sophomore year as well? I didn't uh, run my sophomore year. No, no, no track as well. So just those two sports for you and now focusing on football. I know that that's, that's huge. And, and academically, what you're doing in the classroom has to be huge. Also, any thoughts about what you want to major in when you attend Mississippi State? Not yet. I've been coming up with a little bit, but not fully. So I'm just saying not yet for right now. Understood. And, and Bryce, yourself, I know that, again, being a dual sport athlete, the demands are great from a time standpoint, which makes it even harder to focus on your academics to stay eligible. Any thoughts about what you possibly would like to major in when you hit the Plains at Auburn? Uh, I'll probably do sports management. Sports management there from Bryce Kane. And the, the fact that we do have two SEC football players from the same team in the WNSP studios, it, it's great to see these young men without their helmets on, without their pads on, because you get a chance to see a different side of them. Normally when we see them, it's at seven-on-seven seven competitions and or in their athletic gear. And to sit and talk to them freely about the fact why they chose Mississippi State and why they chose Auburn. And, Bryce, I'm going to go back to, to the fact that when you got on campus at Auburn, was it Hugh Freeze? Was it his assistant coaches? Who primarily recruited you for the Auburn Tigers? It was mostly Marcus Davis. Marcus Davis played an integral role in, in you having an opportunity. And I know Big Cat Weekend is coming up here in a couple of weeks. And I know Perry Thompson from Foley High School has been one of those players that a lot of people have been talking about possibly flipping over to Auburn when you guys have conversations because Perry is supposed to be attending the Big Cat weekend. What, what kind of recruiting pitch will you give to Perry and anybody else who is from this area coming up for Big Cat weekend? I feel like I feel like I can get him to flip and I'm positive he's going to flip, but I'm I'm just hoping he's going to flip and um like seeing a person play like that, he is he is as great as he is, and um, I feel like if we get him on the Auburn team, then we'll just be dominant. I, I just love the fact that again, Bryce Kane never played middle school football, never played pee wee football either. Has always been a baseball guy since the age of four years old, and here it is when Auburn comes calling, Hugh Freeze having an opportunity to see and be a part of what they've been able to build 
in regards to a short time there at Auburn. A lot of excitement today. Auburn officially sold out of their regular season tickets. So that's a great direction for the Auburn program, meaning there's going to be 85, 86,000 people at Jordan-Hare Stadium every single home game. Do you look forward on Friday nights? What is it that you love the most about high school football on Friday nights, Bryce? Man, the hypeness. The hype The hype is where it's at. And um, just playing the game, having fun. Playing, when you see the Hornet hooligans, that's what we call them. Ed Baker, your your fan base, seeing the stands packed. What does it mean to 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 hear and see the Hornet Hooligans make a lot of noise there at Baker? Hey, it, it it hypes me up. That that makes me do better. Josh, so. I ask you the same thing. I know you can be on the sidelines. The defense makes a big play, gets that turnover. You know you're getting ready to get back on the field. Seeing that stadium full to capacity. How does that make you feel? I mean, you know, it just feels good, especially being under the lights. You know, it just makes you feel different, and, like, it just brings out, like, the if you're a football player, you understand, but just being under the Friday the lights, you know, it just feels great. Which one is easier for you, Josh? Is it playing basketball? Is it playing football? Which one? I know, you know, in basketball, you don't have a lot of 300-pound people that are coming after you trying to go ahead and knock you into the middle of next week. But basketball is one of those to where, you know, if you do have a bigger guy that's guarding you, you can step out and shoot the three, which you do very well, by the way. And having an opportunity to to get in the post or or go coast to coast and slam, which one is more exhilarating and gives you the best feeling? Is it that breakaway slam that you have or is it – Throwing that 45, 50, 60 yard bomb. I gotta say football. Football. Yeah, football is where it's at for you. That's that's where Josh Flowers' hearts lies. And we're speaking with Josh Flowers and Bryce Kane, upcoming seniors for Steve Norman and the Baker Hornets this season. You don't want to miss their senior season. It is not every day that you get an opportunity to see two offensive elite players like these two young men are, and especially one with the story like Bryce Kane has. I, I know that, Bryce, since you've made that commitment, that verbal commitment to Auburn, the type of buzz, the type of hype, your phone ringing or, or reporters wanting to talk to you, that type of attention is totally different than what you were receiving in baseball. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. Is it is it fun for you in regards to to seeing and knowing that so many people are taken to the fact? Does it even amaze yourself when you think about? Look, I, I'm I'm playing my second year of high school football here ever. That I've never really even thought about it until coach comes and asks me, "Hey, how, how would you like to give football a try? We we can we can turn you into a great player." Yeah, that that excites me the most, and uh, it's just all glory to God. And just, I love the game, and yeah, it, it it does excite me when I see all the buzz. The biggest difference, because we have a lot of young kids who who are continuing to to play baseball, but but what is it? The biggest difference for you is it the speed of football versus having to wait on baseball? I, I don't know, you know, you being a shortstop's outfielder. What what is your primary position in baseball? Uh, it is center field. So yeah. sitting and waiting for three outs to be had, d- does it become kind of like, mm, 
okay, yeah, I'm ready to go ahead and, and speed it up a little bit. And, and the pitch clock, I know, has sped the game up in Major League Baseball and collegiate baseball, but is it the speed that really is the biggest difference in between the two sports for yourself? Yes, sir. It is the pace of the game. And um, football is way more faster. And it's just like um, it develops way more faster. And it's the IQ, too. And the IQ you need is like you have to have it top tier. Josh, I want to ask you about your recruitment specifically. You obviously had a few different SEC offers. I mean, just what's that like going around to different SEC schools, having the opportunity? Obviously, you landed on Mississippi State, and you talked a little bit earlier about what made you choose them. But, man, what, what's it like being pursued by some of the best programs in the country? I mean, it feels good, you know. You know, Sometimes you don't want to let it get too much in your head, but it also just feels good, you know, going around to all these big schools, you know, seeing everything, how they treat they players and everything you know what that's like so to fit so to have that understanding so you can be treated like that one day you know just to make you feel good and everything the biggest goal for the baker hornets of course is to come away with that blue map and to win the region the first step is to to win the region and to host another home football game for baker high school instead of having to get on a bus and having to worry about traveling in that first or second round Talk about your personal goals that you have. We know the team goal is ultimately to win that championship, that that blue map. But your personal goals entering this 2023 football season, Josh. Oh, just to be the best player that I've ever been, you know, just to get out there and you know, know that you put in the work just to strive every game and try to win every game, your fullest and everything. So, yeah, just to be the best player I can be. And for you, Bryce, yourself, what what is – Again, team goal being to win that blue map. Of course, Baker getting close in playoff-wise from a baseball standpoint. And in football, I know you guys want to take it to the next level. W what about your personal goals? Yeah, the main thing is being the best player you can be and uh, just getting my routes developed, just reading the defense way better and scoring, just winning the game. Your biggest moment so far, Josh, I know you played in a lot of Friday night football games, a lot of Thursday night games as well, getting ready to be a three-year starter. Is there one particular moment that you feel or you can think of that sticks out at you, a particular play through your sophomore or junior season that you made more so than others? Hmm. Honestly, I, didn't, I, I cannot think of just one play. Uh, I'm trying to think. It's one of those, I guarantee, when you go home and you put in your huddle film, you'll be like, golly, Corey, that was that was the play right there. Was was it your first start coming in as a sophomore and, and being the impact player that you were? Did, is that one of your most memorable moments? Oh, yeah, that's most definitely one of my most memorable moments. And, and for yourself, Bryce, was there a particular catch or a particular play that, that Josh set you up with or that you had last year that made you say, Man, this football thing may be where it's at for me. Yeah, it was that uh, Fairhope game, and it was that one play I hit the slant route, and one dude was trying to come behind me, so I stuck my uh, foot in the ground and went the other way and scored the touchdown. And I, that, was, that was my favorite play out of all. Just showing the dynamic speed that you have in regards to, to catching that slant route, you guys played a lot of seven-on-seven seven this summer, building that chemistry. I know you guys are in the studio 
with us. How much fun is it knowing that you do have, because there's a lot of schools that just have kind of that average Joe quarterback. Here it is, Bryce. You have an SEC future Mississippi State Bulldog quarterback throwing you the football. How much confidence does that give to you knowing that you have an elite level SEC type quarterback throwing you the ball? Oh yeah, that gives me the highest confidence because I already know he could he knows how to read the defense. He 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 knows the plays already, and I feel like he just if he sees me open, he's gonna throw it. And yeah, how how much fun is it for you, Josh, knowing that you do have an SEC caliber wide receiver? We mentioned earlier Williams and Hawkins, the two Power Five football players that you had playing for you as a sophomore, but knowing that you have this guy right here I to mean, stick it into as well. It feels great, you know, having somebody that that fast as Bryce is, you know, who can just track the ball down, just beat their defenders, you know, because how quick they is, how they, how they can move lateral and everything. So just having Bryce on them, throwing Bryce the ball, how he just tracks it down is incredible. So it feels great. Now, the, the biggest thing moving forward is you guys go from being teammates – to having to, to play one another uh, in the SEC. How much fun is that going to be, knowing that here moving forward, whether it's in 2024 or 2025, that you guys are going to have the opportunity to be on opposing sidelines with one another? Yeah, feels great. You know, somebody you play with in high school, you know, just like that, who you know that's going to play their hardest out um, across the field from each other. So, you know, it's going to be a competitive match. So, feels great. Yeah, that, I think that that's going to be an awesome experience in 2024 moving forward. Of course, Mississippi State will be at Auburn on October 28th in 2024. So, that's something definitely to look forward to but i want you guys to shout out your family members and and what what your folks mean to you and call them out by name because i know that you don't have an opportunity to to give shout outs to those who helped you get to where you are right now in life um especially my mom my grandmother my brother you know all them especially my mom my grandma those two so those two pretty much done everything for me, so mostly I want to sh give shout-out to them. What's your mom and grandma's name? My mom's name is Sherry Flowers, and my grandma's name is Minnie Flowers. All right. What about you, Bryce? Shout-out to the folks who helped you get to where you are right now. Yeah, my mom, Ole Johnson, my dad, Lamont Kane, my stepdad, Vincent Johnson, my brother, Brandon Kane. Yeah, they, they just helped me all through my process. And my grandma and my papa, Clinton Smith, Annie Smith, I love them. They just they just helped me all the way through. It's all about family, and, and you wouldn't be where you are without a great family circle and making the decisions because it's not every day you have an opportunity to continue that career, especially in the SEC, the best conference in the country. And these two young men have represented Baker High School very well, whether it's on the baseball diamond, the football diamond, or the basketball floor. Both of them probably – will have an opportunity to come back and receive their diplomas from Baker High School because that's how talented they are. And, you know, with the world of early enrollees, you can definitely look for that to be a factor as well. Can't thank Joshua Flowers and Bryce Kane enough for joining us here on the Mobile's Finest segment here on the final drive on WNSP 105.5. We'll be right back. 
is Ladarius Owens, former Auburn football player and current CFM player. You're listening to WNSP. Welcome back to the final drive here on WNSP 105.5. want to thank Josh Flowers and Bryce Kane. Two phenomenal young men, rising seniors from Baker High School and head coach Steve Norman. Want to thank him for facilitating that and making sure his players did arrive here to our studios and sign the Baker Hornets jersey. And you they know, were Michael early Brunner, too. Yeah, they were early. I mean, Coach Norman, the guys were on time. They were they were ready. And you know, Bronner, I know I love covering high school and collegiate football, but when you hear the stories, the feel-good story about someone like Bryce Kane not playing football until his junior year and then flipping that over to an SEC offer from Hugh Freeze and the Auburn Tigers, that's something you, you, when you saw Josh Flowers step on the field, you knew that he was going to be SEC-type material. Same thing with K.J. Lacey, the oh, first yeah. time I saw him. But, you know, these two young men having been on the same side of the ball, too, and the chemistry that they're going to be able to to have in, in year number two together, I know seven-on-seven seven helped them tremendously, but it's going to be fun to, to see Steve Norman and, and the Baker Hornets knowing that the pressure is, is going to be really on these two young men sure. to – to, to kind of live up to saying why you signed with Mississippi State or why you signed with Auburn. And, and Hugh Freeze comes immediately in and finds him a diamond in the rough in a second-year wide receiver. But when you run a 4-2 or 4-3-40, that's a no-brainer. Yeah, Baker, uh, Baker was an interesting one last year. I think a lot of people – thought they were going to be really 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 good and obviously they have a ton of talent you know Bryce Kane comes out of nowhere as well in his first year and becomes a uh, an SEC caliber wide receiver uh, and they kind of think they kind of underachieved a little bit throughout the first half of the year and they they uh they got it together and were able to make the playoffs in that tough 7A region and uh you know they, they you know they did have a really good second half of the season, but now it's like, all right, you got a you got an SEC quarterback, you got an SEC wide receiver. It's like, all right, the expectations if they weren't high last year, they're certainly high this year for the Hornets. Well, I, I will. I know that we covered the Watumpka versus Baker game, and and that was a game of momentum. And if you if you don't think Uncle Mo is real, Uncle Mo is real. Baker is about to go up by three scores going into the end zone and fumbles and it's a 99 yard scoop and score for Watumpka and the next thing you know Watumpka winds up walking away and coming back after that 21 point swing taking the lead in the fourth quarter and finding a way to win that game and it's kind of one of those when you look back at it you're like, wow, how, how did that happen to Baker? It's one of the, you know, after the broadcast, I, I was like, Al, I can't believe what I just saw. And that was a 24-21 win by Wetumpka. And Baker finishes up making the first round of the playoffs and loses to Enterprise 35-26. to 
And they they had a tough schedule because they wound up playing Mountain Brook, and that game was forty-one to seven. But you, we all know where Mountain Brook wound up about six weeks later. They're in a state championship oh, yeah. game against the Saraland Spartans. So you play Enterprise, you play Mountain Brook, you play Fairhope, an improved MGM team. Bryant's going to be better. I, I just know that Coach Norman, he plays truly a 7A schedule that's extremely tough. Looking at their schedule this year, again, going back on the road at Mountain Brook, going and playing at Wetumpka, having an opportunity to play Foley and Daphne and Dothan. All tough, tough scheduled opponents and not really having an open week until October 20th. So Baker coming in and Steve Norman will be entering his fifth season as the Hornets head coach. Coach Norman has done a phenomenal job because, again, I was telling Josh and Bryce, there was a time when Baker couldn't even make a playoff. We're talking about playoffs? You, you play, what is that? Playoffs for Baker? No, you're happy if they win a game in West Mobile. And, of course, Jack French comes in, works his magic, and reverses that curse. And then you turn around, and Danny Smith had some success there as head coach. And then Steve Norman takes over for, for Danny Smith, and now Baker is, is back into the playoffs and really trying to transform and turn around that entire program. But when you have elite athletes like Baker does, it, it, it always made you wonder, you know, how that can be one of the larger schools. And, and they struggle to, to win one or two games. And Coach Norman has really put his stamp on that to make sure that that's not the, the, the case any longer for Baker to be a laughing stock in football. No doubt about it. You know, and they're going to continue to have success. I, I think they will continue to have success. And I'm excited about high school football being right around the corner. Of course, so many seven-on-seven seven events that continued to wrap up last month. Now you see a lot of OTAs getting ready to occur. And with those OTAs, you do have the opportunity to, to see a little bit, even though you're not – having full pads on, you're still having an opportunity to to see players match up at certain skill positions with one another and get a better vibe and a better feel for your team. And we talked a little bit about LeBaron Filon and Baker stepping away. But also, you know, this state has really been shook by not having NIL capabilities to where you're seeing a lot of our, our better athletes especially in basketball, transfer to IMG or to other prep schools or to other states that allows these student athletes to capitalize off of their name, image, and likeness. And I don't know if Alabama will ever go ahead and pass that because, again, it's not Alvin Briggs' job to sit there and say, yes, I want it or no, I don't want it. There's a central board that has to vote and approve that, and that's how this works. That's why you don't see the state of Alabama with NIL as of yet. 
Now, I'm quite sure it's coming and how you contain it because when you look at cer certain athletes and certain sites, they do the value, the NIL value of incoming freshmen. And I guarantee Ryan Williams, when you look at his NIL entering value, it's like it at $175,000 and rising. It's probably an underestimation. And, and, and that's just as of right now. We're talking a 2025 wide receiver, and we're in 2023. So if you're sitting there looking in the state of Alabama being valued as LeBaron Fallon being a top 15 player in the country, you know that NIL definitely would have to enter the back of your mind as a factor as to whether you want to stay or whether you want to go. And I think that's just where we are in today's society. And, Bronner, I don't know if you feel like high school athletes should be paid and what are the guardrails. But to me, here in this state, until the NCAA, just like Dodd talked about, it's not going to happen until certain other guidelines are met. Dennis Dodd talked about it, the NIL mess with the NCAA. Until you have specific guidelines, until you have certain rules and regulations that are in place, to me, NIL will not enter the state of Alabama. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the state of Alabama is lacking behind in the air. It is, it is what it is. I, I don't know if necessarily high school athletes should be getting paid. Uh, I mean, I think but if, that if they're getting paid in other states, why wouldn't you leave? Yeah, I mean, it's it, when it, you're a top athlete, when you're a top 25 athlete in the country in your sport, why wouldn't you leave? Yeah, I, I would I, you? I, I, no, I can't form an I can't form a legitimate argument against it. I my my point more so being high school athletes in general outside of the state of Alabama. I, I don't believe high school athletes should be paid. I, I don't think that's a crazy take to have by any stretch of the imagination. They're they're high school athletes. Uh, you know, I I think college athletes should be paid. I don't think high school athletes should be paid. I, I think that's a perfectly reasonable thing to say. But yes, uh, you're you know, once the toothpaste is out of the tube, it is what it is. So We'll see what I happens. just think that there has to be, if you're going to approve it, there has to be rules and regulations behind it. You just can't approve it. And that's why I'm glad the state of Alabama has been slow to go in regards to, to what value is for a young person that is a rising sophomore or junior or senior in a particular sport. Because by all means, when you look at professional golfers, you yeah. can turn pro in tennis and get paid at 15 and 16 years old. You sure. can get paid in golf at 15 and 16 years old and still have a high school education behind you. So what's the difference? Well, it's interesting, too. It's, uh, you know, America's really the only country in the world that has college athletics. Like, if you're a, I don't know, say a soccer star in Europe, you know, you're turning, same thing, you're turning pro at 15 and signing a big contract with the U15 team at Barcelona, whatever the case may be. Uh, it, it is certainly a unique to America system. Do I disagree with the way it's done? No. Uh, do I think college athletes should be paid? Yes, I do believe college athletes should be, be able to capitalize on their name, image, and likeness. Get into high school kids. I mean, I, golf is golf and tennis, I think, are... How are they different, though? Well, I, I know mean, that's what you're about to say. They're different. How are they different? I mean, you're competing as an individual. You're competing. Like, if you're good enough as a 
I mean, there's no 15-year-old that's good enough to play in the NFL, is there? There's not. Baby Gronk. <laughs> <laughs> Baby Gronk's he's, dead, he, he, He's about, he's what, 10? Yeah, he, he, yeah. <laughs> you think he, you think he's NFL ready tomorrow? You let his dad tell it he is. Yeah, yeah. so, uh, <laughs> no, but seriously, I mean, there's like, I mean, you got 15-year-olds that are qualifying for the U.S. Open. I mean, you're going to tell me they, they shouldn't be able to become professional if they're good enough to do it? There's no 15-year-old that can suit up for the Lions tomorrow. It's just that's not reality. It's it's not possible. So I do think it's different in that way, in that golf and tennis Physically, you're talking about Well, yes, of, of course they are. I mean, they're they're very different sports. You, you couldn't conceivably have a 15-, 16-year-old playing in the NFL while, like, it's one in a million, but you could have a 16-year-old a golf prodigy. I know my best friend. Gene Smith, who listens to us in Atlanta, says, you know, you, you would be stupid not to leave if you're being offered $175,000 or more as a high school student athlete. Now, it, you know, different strokes for different folks, right, as far as, hey, look, does your family and community mean more to you? Does graduating from... A, a, a family tradition. It's a lot of money. <laughs> more to you, but I guarantee. No, I'm certainly not arguing against that right. point. By the, the way, the, no, I, hope that's I, clear. I mean, $175,000 is looking at some of the minimums of some of these NIL values because that they have sites now on three and so on and so forth who value the incoming revenue stream for incoming freshmen to what they can immediately make as soon as they step on campus. And it's 175 k when you start looking at some of these high-profile high school athletes. And to get the perks that go along with it, I think that that's very special. You have to be a very special athlete to, to look at $175,000 or more coming into your senior year. The final drive here on WNSP 105.5. Corey LeBounty, along with my producer, Michael Brauner, joining you this hump day, Wednesday. Hello, Mobile. This is Damian Craig, and I'm listening to Sports Station WNSP. drive here on WNSP 105.5 and again uh, it is a controversial subject that we just finished talking about in regards to the state of Alabama NIL and, and what age we had Sean Jones in the app that did say that look team sports versus individual sports are are totally different and I, I agree 100% with that that that's 
that's not even up for debate because there is no 16 or 17 year old that's ready for the National Football League. And that's why they make you go ahead and play three years of college football or be enrolled in college football to be ready because it is a whole different beast and a whole different sport basketball on the other hand you look at all the one and dones that were ready there when you look back at lebron james or kobe Bryant or kevin garnett those one and dones were totally different you you could come straight out of high school and be ready and now the nba wants you to go ahead and sit out for one year or at least attend college for a year or go to the g league and make uh, years or go overseas so there is a different sports that i think physically and mentally you have to be ready for but again physically and mentally of uh, certain 15 year olds you've seen certain 15 year olds in tennis be traumatized and walk away from the sport after all the pressure that's put on them by their parents and by the rankings and yeah they're making plenty of money but again physically and mentally it's just a whole different beast. For the record, I don't think any of them should be allowed to turn professional. I mean, I think that's kind of how the rules should just be. I mean, you have, what, one out of a million 15-year-olds that are maybe talented enough to play at a professional level? And we're talking about golf and tennis sure, here. Sure, absolutely. Uh, so I think sport. probably the rules should be made for the 999,999 rather than the one in a million. I don't think that's a crazy thought process there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, to your point, that certainly can happen as well. Well, I tell you, 5 o'clock hour is upon us here on the final drive. Of course, at 5.30, we'll be throwing it deep with Michael Bronner having you covered from an NFL standpoint. Ali Cosell writes with and covers the New Orleans Pelicans. The Bird writes is his service. Zion Williamson has been in the news in the offseason. Will he stay in New Orleans? Will he go? Is he worth the trade? Is he not worth the trade? We'll catch up with Ali Cosell next here on The Final Drive. From Mobile, Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP presents 99 yards away. Win this game for one another. The final drive with Corey Labounty and Michael Bronner. Do your job and play together. The final drive. Live on 105.5 FM and streaming on the Sound of Mobile app. I cannot believe it. Welcome to hour number three of the final drive here on a hump day edition of the final drive. Of course, coming up at 530 WNSP now will be turning it over to Michael Bronner, who will be throwing it deep on his podcast edition that will be coming to you live from the WNSP studio. So look forward to Bronner taking over at about 530 here. And before we do that, want to talk to you about what the New Orleans Pelicans have going on. Of course, 
when you think about the New Orleans Pelicans, you definitely think of Zion Williamson and what's going on with him. Will he stay? Will he be traded? Does he want to be in New Orleans? So much rumbling going on. And who better to talk to than Ali Cosell, who is the editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights covering the New Orleans Pelicans. Ali, good evening, and thanks for joining us here on The Final Drive. Absolutely. Haven't talked to you guys in a while, and I've missed talking to Corey. Yeah, absolutely. You and Michael. Yeah, it's great, man, to to catch up with you. And, of course, you know, the the Pelicans have been in the news. Brandon Ingram, to me, is the rock. And C.J. McCullough, great point guard that I I don't know if the the Pelicans are looking to to offload him as well. But a person that everybody in, in consensus is thinking that whether he's healthy or not, Zion Williamson really has a lot going on in regards to to not staying healthy and holding up to his end of the bargain so far. Yeah, I'm sure everybody that's followed him knows the woes, and you're right. Only playing, was it, I think 114 games in four years is not nearly enough. And he certainly wants that to change, the front office, his teammates, you name it. Because, look, we, I think we got a glimpse, a good glimpse of what this core could be last year. The Falcons were tied for first with the Denver Nuggets, I want to say, a couple of days before the new year, right? Late December last season. And, of course, the wheels fell off. And due to all the injuries, the Falcons really slowed down the rankings and kind of had a disappointing finish. But people around here still think that this team can be the team that we saw for the first few and a half months. And I think all it's going to take, though, is some good fortunes, right? Everybody's got to stay healthy. But I think that memo was handed out and heard. So you know CJ. He's always he's a pro's pro. He's the guy that was brought in to kind of be that adult in the room. And, look, he persevered through several injuries to make it to, I think, about 70 games played last season. But Brandon Ingram, I think he played 45, and then Zion only 29. That number's got to change, guys. Because when they do stand the court, and we only saw, like I said, for about 10 games last year, the Pelicans were really good. They destroyed the Brooklyn Nets in that season opener, had some other big wins. So this, the potential is seen, right? You, you know what you've got there. And you've got Trey Murphy. You've got Herb Jones, right? You've got Jose Alvarado. You've got a lot of other young guys that really, really complement them. But it, it does. It starts with Zion. I will say, to answer one of your questions, he does want to be here. So when his name was popping up in the rumors, I heard he actually um, talked to the Pelicans front office, told them that he wants to stay. So I, I know that the Pelicans, they didn't dangle him, uh, Brandon Ingram, uh, no C.J. McCollum trade rumors, like for instance, when the Scoot Henderson rumors were flying, Falcons wanted to trade up in the draft. While they were interested in moving up in draft, they never put any of those three guys on the table. So they're here at least for this next season for sure. Well, the great thing about the Pelicans, too, only being less than a three-hour drive here from Mobile to see an NBA franchise play is the fact that you have familiar faces like Kyra Lewis Jr. and Herb Jones. Of course, Herb is able to sign that big contract with the Pelicans and wants to remain, and he just always puts puts his hard hat on and plays hard. And my, my guy, Kyra Lewis Jr., I know he had a, a devastating injury a while back, but he's beginning to find himself and find his rhythm as well. And then the Pelicans go in the NBA draft and get Jordan Hawkins, which I think will be a great addition to this franchise also. 
Yeah, look, I mean, 10 of their 15 players last year were 25 or younger, and you just nailed two of them, right? Herb Jones, Kyra Lewis, adding in now Jordan Hawkins, a 21-year-old. But look, with Jordan, it's a little bit different, right? Just like it was with Herb. Jose Alvarado, even, I should mention. The Pelicans aren't just getting these fresh-faced rookies that really have no experience, right? They're leaning and, and leaned into heavily getting guys that have played or, or realized some kind of potential on the level below. It's like, for instance, Herb Jones played all those years, his uh, full tenure under Nate in, uh, with Alabama. Jordan Hawkins, UConn, a magnificent run, walked away with a national championship, getting valuable experience there. And, you know, I can name several others on the Pelicans, too, like Anaji Marshall along with Jose Alvarado. So Pelicans have their mold that they're looking for, young, eager grinders. And I feel like Herb Jones definitely displays I think Kyra Lewis wants to display it. But you're right, that injury robbed him of a year, and then that set him back, right? Pelicans are so deep, it set him back last year to where he was trying to come back, and he was available to play, but he couldn't find minutes, right, not till the very end. So, yeah, the, the organization still thinks highly of him. I'm, I'm really hoping to see more out of him. I think I think he can do anything on the court, guys. He just has to get that opportunity. But, yeah, Jordan Hawkins, Pelicans went for shooting. And, look, they really had Trey Murphy last season, C.J. McCollum, but really nobody else that you could count on that wanted to shoot threes, right? Brandon Ingram, he's a good three-point shooter, but outside of those three names, they really don't have anybody. So Jordan Hawkins made all the sense in the world in this latest draft. And I think he might get some minutes, at least at some point, in the rotation because of that shooting. Ollie, back to uh, Zion for just a minute. And we're talking to Ollie Cassell, editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights. And I get it that they really never considered trading Zion. I, my question to that is, really, why? Because, you know, if we go through another season of similar, you know, he plays... 40 games or whatever the number, whatever number you want to put on it, if he doesn't play the full season, I mean, the value at that point is is almost nothing. Maybe not nothing, but the value is never, it's never going to be what it is now. And you're a playoff team without him. I, I'm just curious, why not even entertain the possibility of moving on? Well, first of all, you'd be selling low, right? So he's about to start a, a contract that's going to pay him next year upwards of, I think, 33, 34 million. And Teams are going to be a little bit more reluctant to pay that than rather than on the rookie contract he was. Because, look, his health is not a sure bet, right? He, he's played, what, 60 games under Stan Van Gundy in his second year, missed his third year entirely, and that first year and his last year was very spotty. So he has to prove, right, to other NBA executives that he's worth trading for. But for, from the Pelican side, not only you don't want to sell low on a good asset, you saw an actual MVP player when he was on the court. So my question to anybody is, the Pelicans are already deep. You're not rebuilding. So could you legitimately get another top 10 NBA player, somebody close to that for Zion? The answer is no. So, of course, you hang on to the guy that is that talent. And, look, he was getting MVP chance, a lot of uh, talk amongst media, right at the end of December. I remember asking Doc Rivers about it. He said, yeah, Zion's playing like a top five guy in the league right now. Those guys don't grow in trees. So you hang on to those players for as long as you can when you get them especially when you're a small market, right? Because this isn't New York. This isn't L.A. You're not going to be able to allure them any you know, any and every other year. No, New Orleans has to get them in the draft and hope to hang on to them. So I can see why they're going to at least try that Zion experiment, probably for at least a couple more years, guys. Well, that, that, that really doesn't surprise me as far as holding on to them because of a value 
standpoint unless he just flats out demands a trade or and totally changes right. his mind and and shows he doesn't want to play basketball at all in that city and kind of holds the Pelicans hostage then I think that that's when they would definitely make a move but here that the summer league ha- has now started what has been the buzz around the Pelicans and, and the summer league that is just beginning yeah, so we talked to a lot of players actually today and other personnel with the Pelicans. And tell what, there's a lot of excitement about Jordan Hawkins. He's been shooting lights out to where I've had several players even say he makes them about as often as Trey Murphy, right? So that, that's some esteem right there. Everybody knows Trey Murphy, probably one of the top you know, 10 to 20 three-point shooters last year. Good, good young growing, almost a star. We'll see what he grows into. But that's high praise for Jordan Hawkins. Other two guys I've really heard about is Dyson Daniels, he was a Pelicans rookie last year. They drafted him at number eight out of Australia. And he really lost his confidence a year ago to where they didn't really get as much as I think they probably expected to because he lost that confidence, right? There was a game early in Los Angeles to where had Dyson just made one or two free throws, they would have won that game. They ended up losing. And there was I saw moments after that to where Dyson became more hesitant, right? But anyways, I'm hearing now that that confidence is back. He's stronger. I watched him shoot a basketball today. And, he wasn't known for his shooting, but he actually looks like he can knock down some shots. So people are really excited to see what he's going to do in Vegas. And then, of course, E.J. Liddell. They drafted him out of Ohio State um, the, the previous summer. And, he, of course, he t- tore up his knee in summer league a year ago in Vegas. And he missed, so he missed all of the last NBA season. So we want to see what he can do as well, right? So there's three legitimate players playing in the summer league this season for the Pelicans that could be in the rotation next year. So it's definitely exciting to watch see what these young guys can do. Ali Cosell covering the New Orleans Pelicans. He's the editor-in-chief of the Bird Rights and does a phenomenal job throughout the entire season. And here it is, the offseason. He's probably just as busy or busier than he is during the regular season. Ali, if people want to follow all of your outstanding coverage, not only during the regular season and the hopefully the postseason moving forward for New Orleans, how can people do that? Yeah, thank you, guys. You can catch all of my work and several other writers that we've got over at The Bird Rides, all one word, www.thebirdrides.com. And just feel free to follow myself or that same name, The Bird Rides, on Twitter, where we'll post right all our podcast articles, what we think of what's going on, right? We stay on top of the news, you name it now, so everything you guys need. Appreciate it so much, Ali. I hope you had a wonderful 4th of July. It's always great catching up with you. Definitely won't allow you to be a stranger as this summer league unfolds, and we'll talk to you again very soon. Absolutely. And you guys, like I said, stay cool, because I know last week was with the Bears, so this 91 actually today wasn't so bad. But, yeah, let's see if we can survive the rest of the summer. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely do that. Because Thanks, it's, one, it's one thing about yep. the Mobile, Alabama heat in the New Orleans heat. It's definitely brutal. No doubt about it. I mean, that Zion thing, man, I I get it. I get the selling low, but it's like, you think you're selling low now. Wait till the guy plays 30 games this year. Find out how low you're selling next year. I mean, I guess they're just, uh, you know, resigned to the fact, look, it's either going to work out here or, you know, it is what it is and it didn't work out. I think I understand you wouldn't get what you hoped for him in terms of a trade value versus like, the kind of player you're hoping he's going to be or can be if he's ever consistently healthy. I understand you're not going to get that back this offseason, but I'll tell you what, if he misses another 40 games this year, I mean, 
I, that's that that the idea of cutting your losses now is because I'm about out on Zion at this point. He can be a great player, sure. The drama, the the fact that he can't stay on the court, the fact that he was healthy enough to play but just wasn't mentally there, man. And it, it is sad, but man, I, I'm just about done with him. If I'm if I'm the Pelicans, I, I don't know. Give give me to to the NBA All Star game. But what yeah. if he what if he plays 20 games before then? By then, I'll know whether he is worth it or not worth it. Because uh, all right, Brandon Ingram and a healthy Zion Williamson, right? Along with your veteran point guard, C.J. McCullough, and then you bring in the phenomenal shooter in Jordan Hawkins. He's a good player. The the rookie pick. from UConn. I, I think that along with Herb Jones as well, and I, I think that the pieces, again, this is a small market team, right, who, who hit the lottery. They got Zion Williamson for a reason, and that wasn't because they had the most money to, to be the number one draft pick, right? That, that lottery ball fell to them because they weren't good. Yeah. And you we just have not seen – it's kind of not even an experiment gone wrong because you do bring in C.J. McCullough. You do bring in Brandon Ingram. You know what Brandon Ingram's value is. He, he's, he's an all-star type player. And I think that you just have to stay healthy on the floor – and if you put those pieces, he, Ollie said it. You're looking at going head to head with the Denver Nuggets from a record standpoint prior to the train coming off the tracks. And if you're able to stay healthy, and that is the key, you're absolutely right. Zion has not been able to stay on the floor, and you want to see him be able to play a 60 game season. In the NBA. I mean, that would be a miracle. It, 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 and the fact that we're even happened. saying that, the fact that if he played 60 games would be a miracle, it's like, oh, man, like, what are we doing here? And I, again, I get it. You know, he's Zion. Like, if he's if he could ever be healthy, like, this ideal version of Zion is a 25 points per game, 10 rebound, double-double double player. He's got better shape. And yeah. that's the biggest thing. You know, you can't wait 285 and play his position and be as explosive as he needs to be. Like he'll in never the NBA. stay healthy at that weight. It, it won't happen. It won't happen. He's got he's got to drop down at least twenty to twenty five pounds. And if he's able to do that, then I think the Pelicans will be a contender for sure. The final drive will put the finishing touches before we go deep. And Michael Bronner will cover everything with the NFL. We'll go quickly to what day it is and give you a recap on Cam Coleman committing to Texas A&M instead of Auburn, the number one wide receiver in the country. He went ahead and said he didn't want any part of playing with Bryce King. He's going to become a Texas A&M Aggie and play for Jimbo Fisher and Damian Craig. The final drive will be right back. Hey, this is Julian Zeus McClurkin with the world famous Harlem Globetrotters, and my favorite station is WNSP Sports Radio 105.5 FM. 